Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. Okay, so the last few weeks, we've been through some, you know, shit stormy type things. And some of you have been so wonderful at supporting us and checking in, taking a look uh, at, say, our Facebook page and making sure that you rate us. One thing that we didn't take a look at, though, is our iTunes page. So if you if you listen to us on iTunes, do me a quick favor and please, please, please rate this because, you know, some of the white supremacists have gotten there. And I don't think our rating truly reflects how the people who listen to us feel about this podcast. So if you can just, you know, just if you're already on iTunes, just mosey on over to that rating thing. I don't know. I don't I don't really have iTunes, so I don't really know how it works. But just mosey on over. Rate us as you truly feel. And maybe we can make that reflect how our listeners truly feel about this podcast. Okay, that's it. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh I was I was just taking a look at some of our social media stuff recently and um most everything is great, except there's there's been a concerted effort on the iTunes rating. So <laughs> please check that out. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the racists are going to love this episode. <laughs> oh, no. That's right. They're really going to love it. So we are going to talk about this week a very important topic that not enough people know about in this country, and that is the immigration system. Yes. So there's some changes that the government has been trying to negotiate to something called the Safe Third Country Agreement. And all of our listeners were hoping that you know about what this is, but because we suspect that you might not, because it doesn't get a lot of media attention, there's not a lot of education about it, we're going to tell you about it. Why don't we start by explaining what the Safe Third Country Agreement is? Sure. As it stands... There is an agreement with with some countries, uh, notably the United States, that says that we will not accept people claiming refugee status if they come from the United States because the United States is recognized as a safe third country, which means that anyone that, you know, passes through the United States trying to find safety, finds themselves in an unsafe position in the United States, they can't legally claim refugee status if they show up at a formal or legal border crossing. And this has resulted in what we're seeing, the influx of people seeking refugee status by crossing into Canada through unofficial border crossings. And this has had a couple of effects. One effect, of course, is it's put strain on the system because the system formally doesn't recognize people crossing in this way. And so it is not set up to process people that cross in this way. Kind of like we've created a system to not work. And as it gets more and more people trying to make it work, of course, it gets even worse. It doesn't work. And then the second thing that it's done is kind of a rhetorical problem that we have, which is it tells people who are full racists or soft racists and preoccupied with immigration that people are sneaking into Canada or they are hiding or, or trying to bypass the official mechanisms to come to Canada if they're coming from the United States. And it obscures the fact that there is not really a way to come to Canada from the largest border crossing that exists in our country and claim refugee status. So what's happening right now is that 
our government, the Trudeau government, the the refugee loving government, or so they want you to believe, has asked the United States to expand the Safe Third Country Agreement. And what that means is that they want the agreement to to the provisions of the agreement to carry weight, whether or not it's at uh, a refugee is trying to or a migrant, someone who's uh, attempting to um, seek asylum is attempting to cross at an official border crossing or at a non-official border crossing. This is very significant right now for a whole host of reasons. One being that uh, the United States is, you know, under the Trump government, changing a number of different um, protections that had previously existed for people who had sought asylum or had sought my different types of my immigration status in the United States. And that is particularly affecting Haitian migrants and people from, for example, El Salvador. And so there are a number of attempted border crossings right now outside uh, the quote-unquote official gates to this colonial state. Mm-hmm. And it and it has the effect of being a flashpoint in specific parts of Canada where border crossings are less secure. And so there are more people crossing the borders. And in Quebec, uh, the two uh, border crossings that have made a lot of news are the Lacal Crossing and the Roxton Road cl- Crossing. And I just saw in the newspaper today that a conservative uh, member of parliament from Quebec City named Pierre-Paul Huss, uh, I'm not sure if I pronounced it correctly, but that is phonetically how it's said. He was making comments about how Nigerians are trying to cross into Canada Mm -hmm. and we should be sending them immediately back to Nigeria because this is so obviously just an attempt at, I don't know, uh, bypassing, I guess, immigration processes that exist in Canada. And it was uh, it struck me as I was reading this article that his rhetoric is pretty much the same rhetoric that I've seen um, consistently online from people on the far, far, far right. And so there's this connection between the rhetoric of uh, anti-immigration or anti-refugee sentiment and the kind of virulent racist sentiment that is being perpetrated on the far right, whether it's the organized far right, like actual organizations like Pegida uh, or in Quebec, like La Meurthe, or if it's just a generalized racist sentiment that has existed in Canada since Canada has existed. And then there's this thought, like this idea that people are, quote unquote, I've heard this so many times from racists, white supremacists, government, whatever, that people are attempting to, quote unquote, jump the queue of a migration mm-hmm. as though there's like a full misunderstanding, misinterpretation, not understanding of what it means to seek asylum in the first place. There is no queue. Spoiler alert, mm-hmm. no cue. Um, this isn't, but but people are saying that, you know, these, these people who are attempting to migrate are what? I don't know, trying to pull a fast one on the rest of it. Like, I don't, I don't really understand. Well, I do understand. I know exactly what's going on. It's, it's the politics of a colonial state. Um, but there, but there is no cue to, to, to seek asylum. It is international law that people should be able to seek asylum. And what's happening here is a clear 
implementation of policy that is just xenophobic. It's as a result of, uh, of xenophobia. So it's a result of white supremacy. And as we get into the next couple election periods where these things are going to be talked about a lot more as white supremacists are organizing more and more in our world, uh, these are things that we really, really need to have a good handle on understanding or at least have some sort of knowledge about. And I feel like you know, we just we just generally don't have enough knowledge about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and you're hearing more and more that uh, that cities are strained, that s- social services are strained because the system is just not working at all. It's not working to meet the number of mm-hmm. people who are coming to Canada and it's not working to meet the influx of people who are, are coming more now that it's warmer outside and and more possible to cross the border. And you mentioned that there's changes to policy in the United States. The most recent change that's happened has been a change around Hondurans who have been in the United States that are also going to be in a similar situation as mm-hmm. Haitians were, where a, a program that was set up after, I'm not sure actually in the in this case, in the Haitian case, it was a program set up after an earthquake to welcome Haitians to the United States. Canada had the same program, except Canada canceled the program earlier <laughs> than Trump did, which, of course, is not something that gets talked about very often. But it's happening at the same time as in Quebec, at least, there's mm-hmm. a labor shortage and, a, and there's actually a crisis of labor where um, people are really struggling to find people to work jobs. And it was reported and it was an exclusive CBC report a couple of weeks ago of Someone that came to Canada across the border and was given someone's identity, their social insurance number and in, and other information. And the, the guy didn't know that what was happening was illegal. He thought that this was a recruiting agency that was going to place him into a into a workplace. Oh, I did see you tweet about this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and so he he was set up. Uh, he was placed in a in a meat processing facility and was so badly injured uh, only after a couple of days on the job because he wasn't trained properly and didn't know what the, what he was like how to use the machines that he needed a skin graft to um to try and save uh, the part of his I think it was his hand that was injured. Oh my god. Yeah, and so it's like Oh my god. So okay, so we have a work we have a work crisis. We have a lot of people who are looking for work. We have a social services crisis because they're all already under strain. And and you know, we can go we as 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 citizens who have uh, a history of however we came to this country and I talk in my certainly in my case, my family came to this country. Uh, we can either go two ways. We can either say, okay, how do we better resource these services and settle these folks? process the claims, fix the immigration system to also allow for immigration to be better in this country. Or these people are cheating, they're jumping mm-hmm. the queue, we need to deport them immediately. Those are the, like, that's like the fork in the road. And I think, as, you know, aside from the great work of a lot of activists for a long time on questions of status and uh, refugees and illegality, living in Canada uh, illegally, as, you know, I'm thinking specifically if no one is illegal, there still isn't a generalized understanding or appreciation of how do we move Canadians towards the pole that is morally just, that is sympathetic. That is welcoming. And instead, uh, we're fighting an enormous current of racist motivated assumptions or racist motivated arguments that are calling for closed borders or that are calling for mass deportations. And that actually some of these organizations or these racist kind of subgroups are using those kinds of terms. We need mass deportations. 
And, you know, to be perfectly clear, if it's not clear about our politics already on this podcast and the way things should be, like, this this state, Canada, does not have, should not have any sort of authority to, to make a decision morally or uh, legally or otherwise about who is on this land, given that it is in itself a colonial situation, okay? I want to talk a little bit about an experience that I had organizing with Black Lives Matter and going to the local border uh, that Nora referenced earlier as one of um, the borders that has been coming up the most in the news in, in Quebec because a lot of uh, Haitian migrants and Nigerian migrants in particular have been attempting to seek asylum at that particular place that particular border crossing. So we went to that border with a lawyer, uh, Saron Gabreselassi. I feel like she's mentioned in every episode. (laughs) Uh, But we went went to that border with her in order to, to try to get legal information to these migrants who are crossing the border. Because again, this type of stuff isn't really on the news, but right now, and we're, we're going to go into um, immigration detention in a little bit. But right now, the the amount of arrests that are happening at the border, it's considered an illegal border crossing. So Canada Border Services agents and RCMP officers are there to essentially arrest everyone who's crossing the border. It is essentially the largest mass arrest in Canadian history. And it's all of black people. And, and it's not something that we've been hearing about on the news, and that's very troublesome. So we just wanted to go there, make sure that people knew about their legal rights, that, you know, that they were entitled to have some sort of hearing within 48 days and so on. So, you know, we, we pack up with, uh, with Saron, the people's lawyer, and we get this information in tow, and we go over there to make sure that, um, that people can get this information. What we saw was extremely troubling. Uh, oh, man. Um, there are dozens of shipping containers, which is like just the way that black people have been shipped across the world over and over and continue to be shipped across the world. It just it's it was just such a jarring sight to see that there were these dozens and dozens of shipping containers, which is essentially the holding facilities uh, for. Uh, people who were seeking asylum uh, where they were detaining them. And this is in the winter. It was freezing cold. It was hard for us to sustain being outside. Um, and we were properly dressed and so on for more than half an hour. Um, and it just, it was, it's like, it was, it was, it was unbearable conditions, but people are being detained in, in just these in these shipping containers. And, you know, people have the right to information, whether they're a citizen or not. Like, they're, the, the charter protects people who are seeking asylum. There are laws that protect uh, their ability to have counsel, to have a hearing. And yet... The way that we were treated with suspicion, police, private police officers, uh, RCMP officers were attempting to prevent us from being able to to speak to anyone. It was really just so eye-opening. We didn't, you know, we weren't attempting to do 
a demonstration. We didn't think that this was controversial at all. We're just simply trying to give out information. Uh, we didn't actually get to speak to anybody. Um, we did see some children through a window um, uh, of, must have been children um, who, who had crossed the border, who, you know, were being taken care of by Red Cross volunteers, I assume, or, or employees of the Red Cross. But it was just, you know, we would, we would try to go to the border and we were like stopped and, you know, illegally detained actually by police officers who detained us in our car. There's, there's a live video on the uh, Black Lives Matter Toronto Facebook if you, if you want to see what the experience was like. We, we were filming it live because we wanted to make, we, like we were really nervous, obviously. We didn't know what was going to happen. But they wouldn't allow us to get, you know, as soon as we were on Roxton Road, which is, you know, which is basically the local border crossing when we were on Roxton Road um, as soon as we got there we weren't near we weren't quite near the the border crossing area yet like there's you know it's fortified like there's there's all sorts of um, police officers there's all sorts of vehicles and and um, barriers set up to prevent people from getting close so I would say that maybe we were two to four hundred meters away and we had just, you know, stopped our car on the side of the road and we're talking to each other about how, how we would approach the border agents and what we would say in order to try to get the information uh, to the people that we wanted to. And then, you know, you know, these three police cars came out of like what felt like nowhere. I suppose they had been following us that day. They were certainly following us the day before when we were trying to just um, figure out what, what the area looked like. And they parked in front of our car, behind our car, and on the sides of our car and refused to move until we provided them with information. And they, they kept saying, you know, to us over and over again, you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to remain silent. I think in order to, like, to try to, to, to scare us into thinking that, you know, they were going to take us away. And this kind of standoff lasted, you know, obviously we have a lawyer there who's, like, reading our rights to us. We were asking, you know, what section of what act they were, you know, citing to try to, to hold us. They were saying that they thought that we could have just uh, crossed the border. It was pretty ridiculous. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was very strange. But all of this is to say that the largest mass arrest in Canadian history is happening. Not many people know about it. And there's not much ability for people to seek or decide or figure out what type of counsel representation assistance they they can get or what they need to need to do there's not a lot of information there the folks who were there from the red cross seemed like terrified and also seemed as though they they just wanted to listen to only what the what the RCMP and the private security that was there was telling them because we we did connect with a couple of them to try to give them information so that they could give it out and then the police got really belligerent and when I say that they were belligerent they were like yelling at us refusing to believe that our lawyer was a lawyer at all um you know they were swearing at us in French because I guess they thought that we didn't speak French but I mean we know what some words mean like <laughs> and our lawyer and a couple other people who were with us are fluent it, it was just you know there's just like there's not enough happening right mm -hmm. now with what's what's going on over there it's like a crisis and I don't think it's being seen as one. And I think that has something to do with, you know, where these people are coming from and who they are. Well, and, and I think it's also important to just, like, remind 
anyone who might have a doubt in their mind that it is so within your rights and, and our rights to go and see this stuff. The, the repression to try and hide what is happening at the border is part of controlling this message. And, you know, there has been there's been very good journalism that have covered some uh, some stories around the border and 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 asking some questions of government about what their plans are or whatever. But the idea that you were stopped and harassed in that way by security agents, including private security, which I thought like I was I don't know, when you first told me that I was so pissed to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it is so it is so our rights to just to, to see and to say and to make sure that, you know, that that law is being followed and that people are being treated humanely. And I think that it is indicative of how people are treated by Canada when they try to come here uh, to escape something, which is mm-hmm. at the heart of what is going on, is that people who claim refugee status are coming to escape something. Mm-hmm. And it goes right back to um, to Stephen Harper, who would have who like put up billboards in the Czech Republic to tell people to not try and come to Canada to seek refugee status, despite the fact that we know that harassment and assault of Roma people was widespread, that the Canadian government put people into airports to pull people off planes if it looked like they were coming to Canada to make a refugee claim. The, the the changes in the visas that the Harper government made uh, for uh, for Mexicans to try and stop people from coming here from Mexico and claiming refugee status like it is just it is it is a it is a, it is a like a, a, a very long march towards more tightly closing our borders and at one end you've got an immigration system that privileges people with a lot of money that relies on people who are quote unquote unskilled to come into Canada to work through the temporary foreign worker program. By and large, of course, there's some people that are quote unquote skilled that might work for, you know, Cirque du Soleil or or as a pilot for WestJet or whatever, but that you've got hundreds of thousands of people coming to Canada to work. They're good enough to work and then they're told to leave or they're forced to leave. And so there there's an incongruence with the the notion of how things are supposed to work, right? That you can apply for immigration to Canada, you can immigrate to Canada, you can uh, integrate through a variety of programs and you can find a job. And it is so not like that. And, and obviously many people do know that, but we are not talking enough about how unlike it is supposed to be that it is. One of the other things that I think that we really need to talk about with respect to migration is immigration detention. I don't know that many people are aware of the issues in Canada when it comes to uh, detention. So like I said previously, you know, the amount of people who are crossing the border right now, um, they're, they're being detained. Uh, they're being arrested and detained and uh, at times sent to prison, most of the time sent to prison. And in this particular case with the Haitian migrants, there was a period of time where they were using mm-hmm. a stadium, I believe, in Montreal but uh, most of the time sent to prison. Our immigration detention system is outrageous. I don't think people truly understand that these are people who haven't committed a crime, haven't had a trial, and at times are in jail for 
up to and over 10 years or people who die in prison. Prison conditions are really difficult and are being detained for no reason. Like there's no quote unquote threat to anything. It's just people are being detained. And this is a violation of international law. It's like, it's these are people who are attempting to seek asylum, attempting to escape a really difficult or bad condition. And people are being put in maximum security mm-hmm. prisons for this. It doesn't make any sense. The news of the uh, MV Sunsea, which was a, a vessel that originally came from Sri Lanka, there were 400 people aboard the MV Sunsea. And to process their refugee claims took many, many years, mm-hmm. many years. There was a, a CBC report five years later that looked at how long it took, how long people were put into detention. Um, and the shortest amount of detention time was three months. Mm-hmm. And the longest was several years. And these were folks who were cl- like who were who were uh, fleeing, by many accounts, genocide. Yeah. And rather than not detaining them and doing whatever the system can to process their claims, there was a lot of of rhetoric that was coming from the Harper government about how uh, these folks were terrorists, mm-hmm. um, and specifically terrorists because they're uh, t- they were Tamil, and therefore, uh, in you know, in a very small mind, you're like Tamil, Tamil tigers, they're terrorists. Which is an outrageous... Outrageous, racist... There's outrageousness in that in, in so many yep. ways. <laughs> from from the, the t- Tamil Tigers being denoted a terrorist group to um, tying people back who are, who are uh, seeking asylum from genocide simply because they are Tamil to a group that have, has been uh, d- deemed... Uh, terrorists by Western nations. Sorry, continue. Right, and and actually in Canada, deemed terrorists just by the Conservative Party because they were not deemed mm-hmm. terrorists by the previous government before before the Harper government. Um, so highly mm-hmm. political. And in the end, almost everyone had their claims processed uh, except two people. And at least one of those people was sent back to Sri Lanka where he was tortured and killed. Jesus. And so this goes back to this to, to what you what you talked about earlier that that we live kind of well we live in an, in a fake nation right that, that it's a nation that is built on so many lies and the lies work for some people the lies work for some people who can say my family's been here for many generations and I work really hard and I pay taxes and I don't think that my taxes should go to a freeloading refugee who's trying to escape violence and have a better life like you can be that kind of dick mm-hmm. um but when you start to pick apart these myths it's like yeah one there's no legitimacy on this of of, of canada to, to even run its immigration system in the way that it has and the immigration system further inflicts harm on people um it tears families apart I hope everyone listening knows someone who has been affected by this because um, part of the issue, of course, is that if you live in ignorance, sometimes it's because you just don't have a connection with someone who has been hurt by Canada's immigration uh, policies. But they do cause very serious harm. And in the case of detentions or in the case of rejected claims, they, they cause death. And so from folks crossing into Canada at the borders all the way up to being highly skilled, well-off immigrant trying to you know, get into Canada through the, the means of, of the point system or whatever, the highly restricted point system, which Donald Trump 
praised. So we should think about that. Um, that that this whole thing all the way through is 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 regulating who we we as Canadians want in Canada and who we do not want, and that is fundamentally racist. And it's racist uh, in many ways, but you can see it clearest in the experience of mostly black refugee claimants coming from the United States and getting not only poorly treated by the Canadian state, but also mostly ignored by politicians, by Canadians in general, or even worse, being used to prop up a racist rhetoric from particular political parties or far-right organizations. And people should remember that this government, the Canadian government, is responsible or has some sort of implication in many of the things that people are trying to escape from. Well, like yeah. for like with respect to Haiti in particular, this government, the Canadian state has, you know, for decades and decades and you know, even before it was called Canada if we want to, you know, uh, you know, discuss um, Haiti's relationship to France and and how that relates back to um, Canada and so on the colonial relationships um, since you know the the Haitian people have thrown colonizers out of that country the former uh, you know France uh, England Portugal and their their descendants Brazil the US Canada have been interfering in uh, Haiti's autonomy as a state. And that has destabilized the country massively, most notably when France, you know, demanded payment, quote unquote, for lost property, quote unquote, meaning black slaves uh, wanting payment from Haiti, which really stunted its ability to create an infrastructure that would be able to withstand something like a hurricane or like a like an earthquake. Canada, Brazil, the U.S. has also been involved in political destabilization in the country as well, including coups. And so all of that together makes these countries very much responsible for a situation in which uh, the Haitian state can't reliably house all of its people. And so we're having this issue of environmental refugees in addition to political refugees and so on who are attempting to seek asylum because of what Canada and other states and Canada's predecessor states have done. And so how, how could, like, how... It doesn't make any sense to then for people mm -hmm. who are, are coming across mm -hmm. the border to attempt to, to get asylum because of basically the fault of stuff that Canada has done to be turned away and uh, back to a, a life of insecurity and potential death. Because seriously, the infrastructure issues are so bad that people can die when they go back because especially right now with um, Trump changing the laws such that there's a massive influx of people that Haiti is not prepared for um, are coming back. This is this is an issue of life and death or they're being detained. And, you know, with respect to immigration detention, I remember when the MV Sun landed, one of the, the things um, that I had heard about for the first time, I'm ashamed to say, because I, I, you know, this is something, again, that I should have known about before, is that children are detained often in immigration detention centers. 
uh, if you know if you're coming across with kids, if you're coming across with illnesses, if you are mm-hmm. coming across with a disability or you know maybe you're pregnant or whatever it is, all none of these things matter. You can still be in a detention center as a child. This is what this country does. There's no you know, maximum amount of days that you can stay there. Again, people are staying there for years. People die in immigration detention. And it's simply, it's absolutely wrong for so much of this stuff. This, the Canadian state has a responsibility to these people because it is implicated or directly the cause of what they're fleeing from. Well, and we're also a nation that, like, can completely welcome other people, too. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we we really should talk about, then, what is some of the solutions to, to, to some of these issues? Because I think on the left, uh, people are in the center, uh, and certainly on the right, that this this idea of scarce resources gets thrown around as, well, we can't we can't accept everybody, so how do you pick and choose? How do you decide who stays and who doesn't stay? And then, on, you know, at some from some uh, parts of the left who do this work, the cry is for open borders, uh, that there really shouldn't be the control of our borders that there is. And I think mm-hmm. that it's it can be difficult for someone who's never thought about these things because you learn about the border like you're in grade four and you like color the United States blue. And they're like, no, that's not the ocean. That's a different country. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that because whatever. Right. Um, oh, OK. I don't, I don't. You probably were too advanced to ever color the United States blue, but I wasn't. I didn't like coloring. Oh, <laughs> but I definitely never thought it was an ocean. Continue. Oh, okay. But this is the, the <laughs> this is where um, I think that we talking through some of the the there's easy fixes and then there's definitely more difficult fixes. But that we need to have a handle on this stuff, and it's not good enough for uh, politicians in the NDP, for example, to respond to the debates around the safe third country agreement by saying that the liberals are trying to play both sides, which is one of the um, reactions that the that um, Jenny Kwan, who's the NDP um, critic, has uh, has said that the, that the liberals are trying to placate both sides. In, in saying that they're going to try and stop it from being possible to claim asylum in Canada from the United States, that's not playing both sides. That is a fundamental closing of our borders. It's that is, one, that it's actually a, a radical closing of our borders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe what we need to do is follow up this episode with talking about what open borders could look like. But um, in the most immediate, mm-hmm. immediate, immediate way to address some of these issues, it's like, one, better resource processing centers to make sure that folks are processed and better access to jobs and access to social insurance numbers to be able to find work and absolutely do not make the, th- the, the safe third country agreement stronger and instead it should be suspended so that you stop forcing people to cross illegally uh, or cross at illegal border crossings. And then four, that you start to resource border crossings to anticipate that people will come to Canada. Like Mm -hmm. what is happening in Europe is another example of the Mm -hmm. result of widespread destabilization in different parts of the world. Like it is not a surprise that a lot of people who are seeking uh, refugee status in Europe are coming from countries that have been ravaged by Western war. (laughs) Yeah. 
No, not a surprise. <laughs> not a surprise at all. And it's like, and the only reason why they're not coming to Canada is because it's really hard. Like the MV Sunsea was on the ocean for three months. Someone died mm-hmm. in that ocean passage. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, that we we do have a moral responsibility in Canada. If you supported the war in Afghanistan, guess fucking what? Mm-hmm. You need to support open borders for people who are fleeing the ravages of what that caused. Same thing in Iraq. Same thing in uh, in Northern Africa. Like we're at, hey, we're now going to Mali. What's going to happen there? And and what is our involvement in Mali going to look like? And how is it going to make things? I'm assuming worse rather than better. Mm-hmm. But we don't have these conversations together. We have these conversations separately. And then it, it just it just feeds into the racist narrative about, well, you know, they're just they're just trying to jump the line or whatever. Mm-hmm. Other things that should be done, like I, I need, you know, I, I, I say this a lot, like I need the media to be better. We need the media to be better. We need people to hear about these issues. And I know like we live in this world right now where like if something happens quickly and is sensational and is big and out of the ordinary, it gets a lot of press. But if something that's like really terrible that's happening is slow and takes some time to happen and it's happening um, over a, you know, what, I don't know, might might require the reading of some public policy. We don't hear about it. Mm. And uh, that's just not good enough. We sh- mm. we need to know what's happening in our country. Like we can't just have the narrative, the broad narrative be uh, Trump is doing some things to expel migrants and Justin Trudeau wants to accept all the refugees when that's not really what's happening. But a lot of people believe that that is what the relationship between the United States, Canada and asylum seekers is at this moment. And that's mm-hmm. not what it is. Mm-hmm. The Canadian state's uh, relationship to migrants is actually much closer to uh, tr- the Trump government's relationship to migrants. Another thing that we need to do, we need to like, we need to demand that our government stops detaining asylum seeker- mm-hmm. seekers. We've got it. Like people need to be released uh, from these again maximum security detention centers. Why? Why are people in maximum security detention centers who've never committed a crime? Mm-hmm. That have like a, an immigration violation. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Like those things uh, need to stop happening. We should not be detaining children. We should not be separating families. Families need to be close together. Like all of these things um, uh, need to be done. And I also strongly believe, given the rela- the experience that we had at the border, that we need to do something to make uh, the access to legal information, access to legal representation more streamlined, easier, um, and just perhaps even automatic. Like we need to be preparing for these things. We know these things are happening because we know that Trump has announced uh, that, that uh, you know, these laws are changing and that people are seeking asylum elsewhere. So why can't we be prepared to receive people, uh, make sure they have legal representation, know that they know, make sure that they know their rights, I just, you know, these things need to happen. I should have also mentioned earlier that one of the the things that we experienced when we went down to the border, and you, you rightfully kind of pointed this out in your response, is that there was a journalist who was interested in the fact that we were there and who also came to try to see what was happening. And the police did everything that they could to prevent her from getting anywhere near us and getting anywhere near the border. And uh, to the point where I believe her camera was like knocked out of her hand or she, you know, there was some sort of physical interaction. 
that is just like a metaphor for this entire situation. Like the government doesn't want us to see it. Uh, uh, the, you know, the, the police officers and the, the border services agents that are there don't want us to see it. And those of us who are there trying to get there, trying to get help to people, uh, trying to even show it to, 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 to the world, aren't able to easily get there. That's a problem. It's a massive, massive problem. It's a, it's a massive affront to, I don't know, quote unquote, civil liberties or, or whatever it is, like, it, like all of those things. Um, it should worry us significantly that this is this massive problem that is happening and we just don't hear about it, don't know enough about it. So I know, you know, we gave a bunch of ideas, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different organizations that are working on migration issues in Canada that you, the folks should check out. And I just like, I, it's a, it's like, it's a complicated issue, but it's actually not that complicated. People should be able to cross the border. People should be able to uh, attempt to, to seek asylum here. People should have access to legal representation. People should not be detained. Mm -hmm.